Hey, Tony. I like video games. Well, hello there, Jake. I like video games, too. And welcome to the International Hey, I Like That Game Awards. Yeah! Woo! 2023. The 2023 edition. Uh, what's up, Jake? Oh, not much. 2023, also the number of times it took me to get that intro right. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. You know, you're, <laughs> like you know, the episode's coming out a little bit late. We're already into 2024 here, but um, we had some travel and some medical stuff happening uh, the last yes. couple of days, so we couldn't get uh, the episode out in time for the end of the year. So it only makes sense that we struggle at the top of the episode getting through here. But just like... A lot of us kind of limped through 2023. We just limped through That's, the introduction yeah. of this show. I, uh, <laughs> I ended 2023 with some bad food poisoning, which, boy, yeah. was emblematic of this year as a whole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, 2023 was kind of a rough year for a lot of different reasons. Really busy in my little micro world, macro world, all sorts of stuff happening you know, all around us. You know, not not the greatest year in the world, but a pretty damn good year for video games. Jake. Some pretty some pretty damn good games. Yes, P- pretty good games, and uh, you know this episode is a celebration of that. So we, um, you know, for the past what five years now, four years, we've been doing these uh, these game awards just so we can kind of look back on like what's the best stuff that we played during the year and really celebrate. This year in video games. And Jake, as always, we have about six categories that we're going to go through. Uh, Three at the top here, go on break, and then three more at the back end. These award categories are the best board games we played this year. uh, Games most excited for slash early access shoutouts. Games we wish we played more of uh, in 2023. Our game of the year 2023, which is the game that came out, uh, only games that came out this year are eligible for that award. Uh, Our favorite game of the year, which is kind of any game from any era, any time period uh, that we played in the calendar year 2023. And then our favorite podcast episode. Uh, We'll be going through all of those awards. Uh, Jake, where should we start? Let's start with the, the board games. Start board games. All right. So best board games we played this year. Um, I can start us off because I only have two for this list. Um, This year I have played a lot of board games, actually. Um, I was a part of the board game group at work. So I got exposed to a bunch of different types of board games. Um, I have a board game, you know, uh, friend group here that we play, you know, a good amount of games together. Unfortunately, a lot of those guys have moved away. So that that group has kind of fizzled. But Played a lot of board games this year, but two specifically rose kind of to the top of my list. Um, the first and, and what I, I guess would consider the runner up for this award for me is a game called Wingspan. So Wingspan mm-hmm. is a it's a kind of uh, it's a competitive game, but in in a very light sense, like you're kind of doing doing your own thing on the side of the table with only minimal interactions with the other players, but you are competing uh, on like a score based. Um, but it's a it's a medium weight game, I would say, very card driven, um, and it's an engine builder. And kind of the whole kind of point of the game is 
getting all these different birds that kind of collect on your board that have different effects, cost different you know, currencies to get them. They're kind of grouped into different categories. But really, it's a game about building a solid engine with the um, thematic of uh, birds. And it's super fun. Uh, it's a really uh, interesting game uh, to start with. It's not incredibly complicated, but it's like meaty enough where you probably need to play it, you know, two or three times before you really get the um, great strategy uh, along with it. But mm-hmm. the the art of the game is is really second to none. Um, these these birds look damn good, you know. They look damn good, <laughs> and um, it, it's really really detailed. There are so many birds uh, in the base game, um, and then there's a ton of expansions that add you know additional birds and new mechanics to the game. It's uh, one to five players, so it's like a good solid group that you can play together. And like the gameplay time is like I don't know, sixty minutes or so. So it's you know not incredibly long, but but not a uh, simple game either. Um, really, really like this one. I'm looking forward to playing uh, a lot more of it uh, in the future. Uh, Wingspan is the game name of the game. Have you have you played this game, Jake? You know what this one I'm talking about. I have not. No, you've told me about this game a few times. I'm a, I'm a more slow adopter of, of certain board games. Uh, not of certain board games, just of like getting board games. So, like that's de- definitely like next time to, to add on my to do list. I just don't have as many like people who want to play board games with me as often. So yeah, yeah, it's not. It's it's on the it's on the next one to buy list. Yeah, it's a it's a cool one. It's definitely a cool one. Um, but. The winner of this category for me and the game I have played uh, definitely the most of this year is uh, Dice Throne. And yeah. I guess like at the highest level of this, Dice Throne Adventures, like that would be the true winner of this category for me. So um, for folks that don't know, Dice Throne is basically uh, the best way that I've uh, explained to people is it's called it's Battle Yahtzee. You, yep. pick, you pick a character, which is kind of like has all sorts of different hero archetypes um, and you have a little board in front of you that have a bunch of different uh, basically moves that you can uh, pull off that have various status effects, damage um, numbers that you can do, uh, different types of effects. But you're basically the whole mechanic is you have five dice. You can roll them um, up to five, up to three times uh, any number uh, number of those dice that you roll. You have cards that you can play that augment um, both like your dice rolls and the effects of your attacks. And typically, this is a competitive game where you are just kind of fighting against another player or group of players, like in a competitive mode, um, which I always found fun. But I really didn't get drawn into this uh, this game until I started playing the Adventures uh, game mode. It's a separate box, a separate game uh, kind of set. That you it's need to a buy. very impressive box. Yes, yes. It's a very impressive box that goes with it, but it's the type of thing where like you need to have Dice Throne uh, heroes uh, already purchased to go along with this. So it's like kind of a... Um, separate variant game mode that's a little bit more uh uh there's more going on than just like separate rules there's a whole 
new mechanic of dungeon crawling. There's a legacy component where you can upgrade your deck with loot and treasures and things like that. There is like boss fights and all of this happens in a cooperative um, experience. So you can play with up to four different players. You can take basically any of the Dice Thrones heroes, go into this adventures experience and, you know, play together as opposed to against people, which I tend to like a cooperative game um, myself more than a competitive board game experience. And yeah, yeah, me too. uh, It's also Dice Throne is lightweight enough that it's something that me and my wife have been able to to play together um, quite a bit. And she's really starting to get very savvy with the Dice Throne stuff. So we've been playing a lot of this together and I, I think it's really, really fun. The The other thing that's been happening is uh, I've brought this up to you know my board game group at work, and now we have a, uh, a Dice Throne adventuring party uh, with coworkers as well. So I kind of get a lot of interaction with this game. It's really, really fun. Um, some of my coworkers have all of the other Dice Throne heroes, so I've been able to kind of experiment with all the different characters – um, there's an X-Men, um, uh, like Marvel collaboration coming out very soon as well. That's going to add a bunch more X-Men heroes to the, um, to the roster, including like some other adventure like components that I'm really excited for. Um, I, I really believe in this game system. It is, it's very, very fun. It's easy to teach people and it's also there's enough depth of strategy there where it doesn't feel like it's random who wins. It feels like you can like outplay people, but it's really um, a game about making the most of your given situation and like getting a little lucky, you know, like the role of the dice really matters in the game, like quite a bit. Yeah. Um, But you know, it's on you as a player to kind of set yourself up for success and kind of like take advantage of the luck when it comes your way, you know, um, I've had such a great time with this game. I know I forced you to play it, uh, this year a little bit. Um, no, it was good. A good forcing. Like you, you usually, uh, influence my, uh, my board games by which, you know, which is why dice thrones adventure is my runner up. Ah, cause this is, this is one I picked up, uh, after, after playing it with, with you guys, uh, in Seattle, and you know, told uh, Dre about it, and she was really into it. So yeah, we did a, a Dice Thrones adventure run, or like I'm currently doing a run. It's been on hiatus right now. We uh, encountered a boss that basically just like naturally counters our our duo. So it's yeah. just like, oh man, like do we want to keep banging our head against the wall here? Or should we just like swap out a hero? But it's um. It is, yeah. It's it's Battle Yoxy. That's a easy way to describe it. It's an easy way to understand it. I really like how different each of the characters are. How yes. much like is able to be done just within that very like easy to grasp kind of framework. So yeah, it's great. It's very approachable. It's easy to get other people to play. Um, you know, we got like the Marvel uh heroes kit so you know he's got like a easy to recognize and like oh cool like you know that'd be neat to play as loki uh who i think is actually a really fun character to play yeah Loki's um, cool. yeah 
it's 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 great. I um yeah, I have not played like PvP with anybody. I just actually I don't know if I have much like interest in PvP in like that kind of format. So um I don't know, like that kind of holds it back for me a little bit, but I like the I like the adventure mode and I like how there's um you know sm- somewhat power progression by augmenting your deck as you go through with the loot system. Um and yeah, it feels like you can kind of get a get of a bit of an edge with those with those advances. So, I think it's yeah. pretty cool. It's a cool really game. Good, uh, art style. Yes, I really it's got, enjoy it. It's got a lot of great pieces. Yes. Uh, the the art I love the art. It's really nice. Um and kind of uh jumping off what you were saying about PVP, like I usually don't like PVP so much in the game. Sometimes those games can be a little drawn out, but I will say we played a um I think we did like a six player game where we did like teams of two at work um 2v2v2 and that was actually mm-hmm. really fun it took it took a while but like there was a lot of interesting strategies like between me and my partner trying to counter what other people can do and you know the political jockeying of like hey if you attack them instead of me yeah 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 <laughs> you know like there's there's a lot of fun uh, to be had there in a big group but like i feel like the smaller like heads up one-on-one or even like three player um, round Robin or, or free for all, I should say is it's not super duper fun. But um, the last thing I want to say on this before um, I, I yield my time to you is um, <laughs> we, <clears throat> we got the Santa Claus versus Krampus uh, expansion uh, over the holiday where uh, the two newest uh, adventurers on our team is literally Santa Claus and Krampus and nice. they're super fun and very interesting and like have great little thematics. And we, uh, my wife and I are going to play, uh, the adventure mode with those characters <laughs> Almost like right after we done with this recording, we're going to jump in and, uh, play a little bit of that. We, I did some like catch up mechanics. So, um, I brought both of those characters into the game, with uh with some upgrades to their names so we um can kind of continue on uh in the adventure without um without uh having to like start over from uh scenario one uh, yeah so should be a lot of fun i'm very excited to do this krampus is actually a blast to play he's like a um a puppet character he has like a lot of oh. like toys that he can use to augment his spells and abilities which i think mm. is really neat um makes for some very interesting combos but anyways dice stone adventures is the best game best board game i played this year and you're runner up jake uh yeah what else you got for this category so my winner for this year is a game called small world ah uh, yes so have you have you heard of this one i have i've played this one. Oh hell yeah um so this is a kind of like risk style like map domination game um but the i guess like different factions are almost randomly generated so there'll be different um like factions like uh ghouls or warlocks vampires uh like sea elves um and all of them have like a specific modifier and like number of tiles that you get to work with on your turn um and then 
you like draw a certain number of those and then you like from another deck you add like a modifier to that so it's like all right we're the warlocks uh now get to like uh take over water tiles or something like that and it makes it so you know each faction gets a different bonus and like the the decks are different stacks or different sizes so like as the game continues like it's always going to be mixed up like the same faction is going to get the same bonus um and then from there it's like you get a certain number of tiles to work with and you use those to capture spots on the board and like you need like so many more tiles than an opponent if they have their own tiles in there so there's not like a whole lot of like randomness to it you're not like rolling dice to try to capture something like at risk it's just like you need the numbers and you only get a certain number of tiles to work with per game and like that's like i like where it's not uh luck based like if you're gonna succeed in taking something over it's just like if you you kind of have to like plan out your turn and then like make those moves and it's it's easy peasy like that the only like luck based thing is um there's a six-sided die that you get to like attempt to reinforce the last attack of your turn so you can only use it once per turn and half the dice sides are blank so you have 50 percent chance of just failing and not getting any more reinforcements and then it's like one two three so you have a one in six chance of getting some kind of reinforcement um and like you know that's a pretty uh I think muzzled sort of like luck system where like half the time it's going to do nothing for you. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's, 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 uh, I like that there's not a lot of luck involved with it. And I like that each faction is going to be completely unique each time. So like yeah. the fir- your first turn, you, you pick a faction um, and you're like trying to have as much of the board conquered as possible. Like there are different icons on the board that like different factions look bonuses for conquering them. And you want to like build up victory points, um, and yeah, it's just it's it's a rip roaring good time. You get to discover some really awesome synergies. Um, it feels like that's like the one downside to it is like some of the synergies it feels like are wild. Um, and if you get one of the factions that has a large number of total tiles, it's like most factions will have like nine to ten tiles. That you get to work with and you'll be able to like work with them for the most part um but there are a few factions that have like much more like 17 18 and if you get it matched up with a mechanism that lets you like draw a lot of tiles out of the box you can just like, really snowball with certain combinations um and it's sort of neat to discover discover that but then it's also like less neat to play against it when somebody like you know figures out like oh wait what i got is actually broken and now i'm gonna just be able to completely dominate the board for a little bit yeah that's kind of what i ran into the the times i've played it is that like sometimes somebody lucks out with what they what they get um hero wise uh but i agree with you like the different mechanics per you know um faction is pretty nice. You know, I like when there's actual tangible difference between who you are playing with in a game like that. Cause in risk, everybody's the same, right? Like, right. Um, I, I never liked that. There's a lot less expression there. Um, in the mechanics, it's more just like, 
how you play the very simple game that is Risk, where I like I like having a little bit more complexity there. And yeah, Small World is great for that, for sure. Yeah, Small World, pretty pretty great. Small World, uh, great. Well, that was the best board games that we played this year. Um, let's move on to the next category, huh? Um, games most excited for slash early access shoutouts. So this category is about what hasn't came out yet that we're really excited to play either in the next year or the coming years. Uh, and this is a, a specific place to talk about the games that are still in early access that not have not hit 1.0 yet that deserve, you know, a little, a little bit of a shout out, you know, games that we've had fun with. that are not quite out yet. Uh, do you want to start us off here, Jake? Oh, I guess I don't, I don't even think I have like, I've played early access games or like no of any early access stuff that like is is like on the anticipated list for for next year. I feel like you're you you have your ear to the ground more on the early access stuff. So yeah. I don't have any early access games, so I'll let you uh talk about that. Um I don't know, like looking over this is not like looking over the list, there's nothing I'm like super over the moon thrilled about. Um and like I think the one thing, okay, I'll wait for that to when I, when I want. So, okay, I think I have two like honorable mentions. I guess. Um, first one, Tekken Eight. Yeah. Uh, this this year, uh, for Evo, I participated in Tekken Seven. Uh, you know, as best I could, and um, you know, we played the Tekken Tekken Eight demo there. You know, still, I'm yeah, aspirational to be able to get to to Evo twenty twenty four. Um debating between just participating or between participating and just attending but you know if i do participate tekken 8 is going to be the game and i like tekken 7 it was fun times tekken 8 was uh felt super cool to play too you know plays pretty similar but am regardless pretty pretty jazzed for that so honorable mention tekken 8 honorable mention number two uh only an honorable mention because it's not a full game it's the shadow of the Erd tree dlc yeah elden way elden ring uh hoping that you know finally finally lands and uh gives me another good excuse to play elden ring because uh that game is super cool and i want i want to have more content for it Hell yeah. um all right and then the runner-up which is not very serious because like i don't think this is gonna be a particularly great game um, but the year of 2023 was the year where I got into a Warhammer 40k lore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> there are very good uh, YouTube videos to, like, fall asleep to, I found. So, like, somebody's, like, there's a lot of good, like, lore channels out there. And, it's, like, it's, like, kind of ambient enough. You can fall asleep to it. Um, but, like, you know, still pretty interesting, compelling stuff. I think it's deeply, deeply silly uh like the 40k stuff like the how how grim dark it is um yeah. which i think is like pretty fun and like the story around it is just like you know absolute nonsense but like hey got into it um and because of that i'm like a little bit more interested in like the games in the franchise which are normally quite bad but next year uh space marine 2 is coming out and you know I don't have the highest of ambitions for it. Like looking at gameplay footage, it seems like a pretty 
generic hack and slash kind of kind of thing but you know i kind of like the setting and might be interested in you know picking it up if it goes on sale or maybe it, it kicks all sorts of ass but um a lot of the warhammer games are you know either pretty bad or like very uh like esoteric strategy games that take a lot of like time and effort to dig into um that i just like don't necessarily want to get into and so just like an easy turn your brain off hack and slash uh might be pretty cool so there's the runner-up um but the winner which you know depending see i feel kind of bad calling this the winner so final fantasy 7 uh uh rebirth sorry i blanked on the uh the subtitle for a bit so i'm pretty jazzed about that game like i like the first final fantasy 7 remake but like i still don't have a playstation 5 and it's like unless this game reviews super well like i still don't plan on getting one until you know probably later in the year um so like i don't like i don't know if that disqualifies it from being able to be eligible as game of the year but i'm I want to play it. I think it's, you know, the remake was super cool. I'm still very interested in my uh, wild prediction that Aerith is not going to die in this one. <laughs> it's yeah, like right. a complete, you know, uh, just like a bending of expectations. I think Aerith, Aerith survives. I know Sam is... <laughs> Yeah, he, Sam he, says he, I'm out of my mind. <laughs> I know, his head would explode. <laughs> Um, it's a, I, I also have this as my, uh, most excited for as well. The final fantasy seven yeah. rebirth. Um, it's for a lot of the same reasons, as you said, I don't have a PS five yet. So this might be the thing that pushes me, um, to do that. Um, and I'm really excited for it. I also just over the, um, the last couple of days, I played the, uh, intergrade DLC, the Yuffie, um, nice. part. So like I, tried it on my steam deck and it worked really well so i played through all of that and it it got me really excited about what this next game is going to be i never liked playing with yuffie in the original game she just like wasn't my style and i really enjoyed uh playing her uh in this one uh quite a bit actually more more than i was expecting so and they i won't spoil anything that happens uh in that uh game here but some weird shit pops off <laughs> some, some <laughs> stuff some stuff happens in that uh dlc that uh yeah it was unexpected for sure and um it seems like they're taking this moment with final fantasy 7 the remaking all this stuff they're taking mm-hmm. this moment to combine everything that has been final fantasy seven related uh over the years and put it all in one spot like in the dlc there's you know references to like dirge of cerberus characters oh yeah you know? like there's there's some weird stuff happening um and usually usually i'm not here for that like crazy crazy anime shit but I'm, there's something about this i'm like I'm 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 loving I'm loving it. So, the gameplay is solid enough, and like it's just so earnest, and like you can't help but like be endeared by it sometimes. Yep, I agree. 
I agree. Um, yeah, very much looking forward to to that one. Very much looking forward to that one. Well, so that's your that's your winner. What are your runner ups slash honorable mentions? Tell the well, people about early access games. Uh, yes. So uh, I got two on here. I have one that I'm sure you already know what I'm about to say, and that is Lost in Fantaland. Yeah, uh, I love this game so much. I bring it up whenever i can i've gotten so many people to try it out this year just because i'm really into it um this was on my list i think last year as well um because i just i i really like this game i think it's really neat uh lost in fontaland is a roguelike deck builder there's also grid based tactics um it's there's just something special about how all the mechanics kind of mesh together and it's a perfect game for me where I can both shut my brain off a little bit and play, but then also like when I start to see my build coming together, then I can kind of focus in and think a little bit more and build out on the strategy that I'm trying to go with to, to win the run. Um, it It's really, really, it's neat. It's really neat. It's a, game that i like to kind of just like have on in the background i can play a couple turns here or there between meetings and and stuff and it's it's really a game that i like to play when i can't think of what i what else do i want to play right now if i'm having trouble mm-hmm. it's usually lost in fonts land that i go to um it also was a big year for the game um they haven't gotten any updates since september but before that Launched a new character class, the Trickster, which is like a brand new gameplay mechanic that's really, really fun, really engaging. Um, Launched a bunch of updates. It's called the Trickster. The Trickster's great. Um, That's the last of the three like main classes that they have shown. Then there's subclasses within that, but very, very fun. Um, They did some updates to the pre-existing classes, added some new items, new cards, rebalanced some things. It's it's a really really fun game. It's just really fun. I try to tell everybody about it. Lost in Fontaland, uh first runner up. Um the next game here, the next early access game that um I I've, I played a lot of it over uh, my holiday break actually. Uh and I'm just really excited for 1.0 and that is Tape to Tape. I believe I've talked about it on the show before, but this is a roguelike hockey game a la oh, yeah. like NHL 94 type hockey, you know, like harkening back to like, you know, a little bit more arcadey hockey action um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that same perspective of like kind of kind of a top down isometric kind of angle on the ice. Um, there's not a ton of like complicated mechanics here it's really simplistic hockey the roguelike stuff is fun to engage with for sure when you're doing your runs but i also played a lot of just basic hockey with my brother uh over the holiday uh, me and my brother when we play videos video games together he is much more uh sports into like sports games than i am mm, yeah. um and especially like arcade sports stuff it's like kind of something we we've bonded over over the years like stuff that we tend to play a lot together um so you know it's just been it's just been nice to play that stuff together and we you know 
We turned off all the power-ups. We turned the the difficulty up really high, and we had a great time playing against each other heads up. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm really excited for what whatever becomes of the 1.0 of tape to tape. Um, but yeah, game's dope. Game is really dope. Great little early access title. Um, yeah, and then my winner is uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Can't wait. And I, I may buy a PS5 for this. I don't know. I don't know. That and uh, Spider-Man 2. Like, those are the only ones right now. Yeah, th- this is actually a good segue into our next category here, which is... Um, which is uh games we wish we played more of in 2023 um and my lack of a ps5 uh kind of directly contributes to two of these titles (laughs) (laughs) one of which you just called out in spider-man 2 um so did you play some of it i played none of it because i don't have okay because i I do not have a ps5 so i cannot play spider-man 2 but i fucking loved the first spider-man and i have miles morales uh on steam i haven't played it yet but i'm i'm ready for it i'm ready to to get into it i just need that itch to play an open world game but um you know want to play that i want to i i just i'm very very much looking forward to getting into that game once i uh have a ps5 um and along those same lines final fantasy 16 i also really wish i played more of this year because i played zero of it um i initially was worried about the direction the game was going and that it's more like a character action uh, rpg as opposed to kind of a turn-based thing that final fantasy is typically known for mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. i've heard so many people talk about the the story being very very uh, interesting a lot of political intrigue a game of thronesian uh, uh story which I am very curious to see what those creators from Final Fantasy, how how they um, frame their story with a, a similar lens to Game of Thrones. I feel like that could be really neat and over the top in ways that Game of Thrones uh, isn't able to do. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very I'm very sad that I have not been able to play that game yet, um, and it's yeah. very very high. On I forgot my list. that that came out this year. Yeah, yeah, and it. I don't want to say that game came and went, but in this was a really big year for, for games and an even bigger year for RPGs. So mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, being the, you know, third best RPG of the year, uh, is tough, but I, I kind of feel like that's where our, or where, um, final fantasy 16 netted out. Um, but I, I really, really want to play that game. I really, really want to play it. Uh, looking forward to uh, my time with it. Uh, when it, either when I buy a PS5 or when I um, initially uh, buy it on PC, whenever that day comes, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the other game that's on this list that I have purchased and I'm ready, ready to play at any given moment is Alan Wake Two. Mm, um, I nice. really enjoyed Control. I thought Control was um, an incredible video game. Absolutely incredible video game. Um, I never really got into the first Alan Wake. And like Remedy games in general, um, I, it was Control that kind of was the the moment for me where I was like, oh, I get what they're trying to do now. And it feels like they were able to get their gameplay mechanics in line with the cool story stuff that they're doing. And mm-hmm. everything that I see of Alan Wake 2 is just even more 
uh, pointing to that. And uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that experience quite a bit. I just, another one kind of like, uh, like I was saying with like Miles Morales, I just have to be in the right mindset to like sit down and play it, but I have it purchased. It is there. Yeah. It's ready for me. Um, a lot of people like for, Alan Wake too. A lot of people like Alan Wake too. And uh, yeah, it just looks, some of the things I've heard about that game are absolutely wild. And I'm, I'm very, very, very much looking forward to playing that game and, you know, getting those Twin Peaks, uh, X Files vibes that uh, that they're so good at um, creating with those games over at Remedy. So um, those are my runners up. But the game I truly wish I played more of this year is Baldur's Gate Three because oh, Jake, yeah. I have played like two hours of Baldur's Gate Three this year. <laughs> like Madness. I've played very very little. Um, I sunk a lot of time into the early access, maybe like thirty plus hours or so. Um, and I don't know this year, it's been tough for me to build up the, the want to play the game. And I think a lot of it has to do with, um, I am not great at controlling a CRPG, like moving around the game world and like manipulating the camera, interacting with things like it, it it doesn't come as natural as natural to me as I think it does others. Uh, when they're playing those type of games. Um, so I, I struggle with the interaction a bit. And then it's also the type of game that I feel like I can't just play for an hour, right? It's yeah. Oh gonna, yeah. It's going to suck up once it grabs me. It's just going to suck up hours and hours and hours. And I don't know. I, I It's been hard for me to like push myself to, to play that type of experience this year when there are so many other games that I want to spend time with that are smaller experiences that I feel like, Hey, if I put four hours into this experience, it's gonna, I'm going to get like a fulfilling, you know, gameplay experience out of it. Whereas with Baldur's gate, it's like four hours is a drop in this massive, massive ocean. That is the game. You know, so I've been I've been having a hard time with that part of it. Um, I still really like it, though. I still really, really like um, getting that ocean, that sweet ocean. Yeah, I I really like the game. I really want to play more of it. And that's why it wins this category for me. Um, And will this this game will probably show up on our game of the year list for a long time coming just because it's such a big experience and something that's going to have a really long tail in both of our lives, I think. Um, but for me this year, regrettably I've played very little BG three and yeah, I wish I didn't, I wish I played more. (laughs) What about you, Jake? Uh, so I got two runners up. The first one is remnant two. So this is one that you and uh you encouraged me to pick up like a good like you know multiplayer souls like destiny combination sort of thing um and yeah i you know we've we've played a good amount of it together but i've played almost none of it by myself um and i wish i played it more which is kind of a long way of saying i wish i played some more games with you tony <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm always so so absent and invisible on steam that's fine bro <laughs> And uh, second runner-up is um, it was in beta for, for the most part this year uh, for the King Two. 
So um, especially in beta, I played very, very little of this, and I wish I had done some done some more uh, playing at that time, just for um, you know, one to help the developers out, but two, just because it's like it's a it's a cool game and uh, hasn't been out of beta for too long. Um, I've played um, a bit on my own. I've almost gotten to the end of the the first campaign, but this is another one where most of the uh, the time I've been playing was been has been with other people. Uh, but before the King One was great and for the king 2 was really built on top of everything that was good in that and uh added some sweet new mechanics and i love the fourth player hell and yeah and then the game i truly wish i played more of is uh a tekken 7 because i needed <laughs> more practice in this game <laughs> you played you played way better than you give yourself credit you i got- i i'm proud of how good I've been able to get at Tekken. Um, it was only really like a month, a month and a half of like truly dedicated, like I'm going to try to get good at Tekken time. Um, so like, I think I made a, a lot of, I made a lot out of that, that time, but like, you know, obviously to get really good at a fighting game takes a lot more time than that. And I really just, you know, kind of sat on my hands and like didn't didn't start getting into it until like way too close to Evo. Um, And like it's it's I mean, one of the reasons why is like it's very difficult for me to do like like solo queue uh, or just like random battles online. Um, I don't really like doing that. I like playing with my friends or nobody at all. Um, But of course, you got to do that if you want to get better at a fighting game. Um, So that kind of helped get me more comfortable with that especially in a fighting game setting um but yeah i just didn't didn't spend enough time in it and if uh evo 2024 is in the cards i i will need at least two months to practice this time (laughs) 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 but yeah i'm 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 content with how i played um i didn't feel like i embarrassed myself not that i'd like to embarrass yourself at a fighting game convention people aren't like assholes like that but like i yeah i felt i felt content with how i played like i made my second match i think fairly competitive and got you know appropriately trounced in my first one but i don't know it was cool cool to be there cool to play it uh cool to have competed so tekken 7 would be cool to play some more of though yeah i like i am proud of how good you got at Tekken this year. I, I, I will say that. Cause like you went from it's buddy, you went from I, really not knowing the game at all to being able to keep up with me. And it's not like I'm some sort of Tekken master or anything like that. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that just a Tekken but God. I, I am good <laughs> enough at Tekken where I can beat scrubs, you know, for the most part. Like I, like I said, I'm not, I am not a like all-star at Tekken, but I'm good enough to win some matches and you were keeping up with me. No problem. Uh, and even beating me towards the end, which was like, that's good on you, man. Like that's, that's some good shit. I, you, you love to see it. And if during our charity stream, I didn't have the longest fingernail on the planet attached to my thumb that I use for backdashing. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get my forward forward two out to save my life as Jack. Cause my thumb kept digging into the controller. <laughs> Oh my god, that's too funny. <laughs> yeah, it'll um I'm excited for for new Tekken. I'm excited for it. It should be good. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, that's uh, that's the first three categories, Tony. First three categories down. Uh, we've got three more to come, so stick with us after the break, and we'll get in some uh, some more categories here. Shall On the international check. hair like that game awards. Beep, 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 then like splicing some like laser noises, like lasers come out of your earphones. Welcome back to the Intergalactic Hair Like That Game Awards. Yeah. We're going into space, baby. I know. Let me check the email. It looks like we have one for Mars. So, yes, we do. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. We don't have one for Mars. I'm just joking. It's from Uranus. (laughs) Ah! Stupid. Okay. Um well this is the year we're going to space with the awards, uh the year twenty twenty three, and we're gonna talk about our favorite game games, I guess, that have come out this year. Yes. So game of the year twenty twenty three. So I've got the honorable mention, um, still very good, uh Resident Evil four remake. Ooh, yes. So really, you know, Really loved this one. Really enjoyed it. I know I talked about it a bit on the podcast. Uh, very um, you know, well-made remake that kind of you know, helps uh, play on some of your expectations and like add a lot of uh, depth to people who like have played the original RE4. Um, and it's really yeah, really cool. I've you know loved the RE2 remake. Thought the RE3 remake was just meh. Um, but this one, this one's great, and it was it was really cool to play. But yeah, my, I, I've heard okay. a lot of people talk about RE4 this year. Been in a lot of those conversations for you know game of the year and stuff. I, I don't know. I, I, I yeah, I, I can't. I'm being, a, I, I'm being a hater because I haven't played it, but I, it does feel like. Um, I don't know. It feels like there's other stuff that's more deserving. Right. Maybe, it's maybe it's good. More. It's not like. I don't know, like, it's hard to not compare it to the original, which was just, like, transcendentally good when it came out, which is, like, so, you know, meaningful and influential. And RA4 Remake is good. Yeah. Solid, solid solid-ass game. Like, it's not, like, revolutionizing anything. Yeah, it's not on the same tier as, like, other great games that have come out this year. Such as my runner-up. This was a tough one to decide between. Tears of the Kingdom. Oh. So, uh, the long-awaited Breath of the Wild sequel on the most anticipated game of the year, three times running, uh, came out this year in Tears of the Kingdom, and it uh, kicks all sorts of ass. 
is it's a really out. good game. Yeah. I was very scared about it just like retreading too much from Breath of the Wild because you know same engine. Um a lot of it is the same game world and like combat and stuff like that. So I'm just like, you know how invigorating is that gonna be after you know I've played hundreds of hours of Breath of the Wild and you know loved that game so deeply. Um but uh, Tears of the Kingdom absolutely brings it. It makes everything feel very fresh. You know, it has, still has like that overworld Hyrule map, but like the sky islands and uh, the depths are an amazing add-on and so much fun to explore and like, you know, gives that same feeling of, of wonder for sure that you get first exploring Hyrule. Um, the new mechanics, I forget, like the merge... Is that what it's called? But like the new tools you get that you can like build vehicles and stuff with fusion. Yes. Um, It's so cool and so fun to mess around with and to like find different ways to like solve the puzzles. Uh, It is it is a very, very good time. And um, no, God hand, God hand, God God hand. Yeah. God hand fusion. (laughs) But yeah, super super duper cool um i think the thing that stopped it from being game of the year was the same problem that uh breath of the wild had which is the ending doesn't really quite stick it like the power curve of that game like if you're playing it to a very like heavy level you know like kind of how you and i would do it tony we'd like to go through a lot of the game we'll have a lot of hearts We'll have all for our full stamina and like a bunch of like high weapons and like you go to the end game and it's sort of like pretty pretty simple and that i think just like kind of deflates the experience a little bit at the very end but um hey still super great like an amazing spectacular game that is like the smallest of criticisms um i like it more than breath of the wild and i adore breath of the wild so tears of the kingdom runner-up would easily have been game of the year uh, pretty much any year if Baldur's Gate 3 didn't come out and just yeah. absolutely floor me with how robust and uh, like unexpected of an experience that is. Um, yeah, you should have you should have played more of this game, Tony. <laughs> yeah, because like I I was you know kind of it wasn't entirely like in the mood to play it like when it first came out because I you know had also played a good amount of the beta and like yeah i wasn't sure like okay what's it gonna be like now that we're doing the full game run through um but yeah no i just had a lot of those like late nights of getting in like okay like how much more can i do before like it gets too late for me to go to bed like okay it's almost almost 1 a.m like i gotta have my cutoff at that time like i can't stay up any later and like it just keeps compelling you and compelling you to play it and it 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 rewards your attention and your experimentation and it it feels like the i think one of the most uh, impressive things about Baldur's Gate 3 is it captures the um ability you have to completely like feel like you've fucked up a situation in the actual tabletop game and like let you roll with it like that's like so much of tabletop plane it's just like oh boy like we really screwed the pooch on this like but you know the show must go on the dm improvises and like something you know 
something progresses. And there are so many times in Baldur's Gate 3 where it just feels like, oh boy, like I feel like I've really done something completely like wild. Like, oh, I shouldn't have killed that person. How can we progress from here? Like, this is going to be nuts. And like everything's accounted for. Everything is interesting and everything is very deep. I, um, I really love that respecting your character is just super easy to do at any time. Um, especially after the absolutely abhorrent like 15 hours I played on Starfield like I just really appreciate that much of, of like flexibility and like trust in the player that Baldur's Gate 3 has um and yeah and it 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 stays amazing it stays intriguing uh and and all the way all the way through the end of a very robust campaign and I I very much recommend it yeah I feel like Baldur's Gate 3 is like the de facto game of the year for so many people. Um, so I'm glad I'm glad we got that representation on here because I, I wasn't going to make it my game of the year. So I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. It'll be your uh, game, your favorite game played uh, of the year next year. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. Um, so right, what, are your, what about you? Favorite games, Tone? I've got seven on this list here, which is oh boy. Know, a lot. this was a really good year for games for a lot of yes, different reasons. Yeah. Some of them were surprising to me. Others were like, oh, you you nailed the thing that I wanted you to do. Hell yeah. Um, so uh, we'll start with all my runners up. Uh, first runner up is Remnant 2. Uh, I was really looking forward to Remnant 2 from the onset. I really liked that first one, Remnant from the Ashes. Um, I thought Remnant 2 was excellent this year so much fun to play both solo and with friends um it's a game that i've been wanting to like actually play more of uh lately and this was one of the games that led to me not playing Baldur's gate 3 because they came out right around the same moment and i felt like remnant 2 was doing something that uh was more interesting to me at the at the point i was when the games were coming out it was Mm -hmm. it was providing me the experience I wanted in that moment. And it, and it delivered remnant two was, was great. It did a lot of really smart evolutions of systems that introduced in the first game. They give you a lot more compelling control over how your character is built. And, um, I I really appreciated that. I'm very much looking forward to DLC in the future to expand on that game. There's already been one piece of DLC out there. Um, the first one was really supported, uh, quite a bit after its initial release with DLC. And I'm just, I'm looking forward to getting, you know, the collector's edition, ultimate edition, you know, a year from now or maybe longer that has a ton of this stuff all built in. Um, and yeah, I'm playing through it all again. Cause yeah, excellent game. And one of the more interesting final boss fights I've seen, uh, in a game in a very long time. Um, it's kind eventually. of bullshit. Yeah, it's kind of bullshit. When we get there, I, I'll be very curious uh, to for your take. But it it did it did something that I haven't seen in another boss fight really ever. Um, excellent game, super fun. Remnant. Love the enemy design. Yeah, a lot of really cool enemies in that game. Like the like the like the stone monsters. Yeah, like they they do a good job awesome. making a bunch of different types of enemies, and they all feel very unique to the worlds that you're exploring. They feel very, they're varied. Um, and the same thing with the weapon design. There's just some wild weapons in that game. Um, yeah, it's just, it's neat. It's a, it's a fucking dope game. 
Yeah. Next runner-up, Dave the Diver. Uh, I think Dave the Diver is kind of the final form of Reseteer. Um, I really wanted to like Reseteer when we played it for the podcast. What, that was like two or three years ago now with Race. Um, I really wanted to like that game, but a lot of the mechanics fell flat because they just didn't all come together correctly. And Dave the Diver does all of that stuff, you know, just as good, if not better. Um, The game is broken up into you are, you know, diving the depths, catching fish and finding other things that you can then take into your sushi restaurant and then go through the business management uh, type stuff that you get to do mm-hmm. in Reseteer. Um, and it feels like, you know, those two different elements of the game work really well in concert with one another. And just that core Luke of going between the water and the restaurant, just that I think was good enough. But then on top of that, the game has this um, hilarious point of view. It is, uh, very, it's a very funny game in the way that it's written and it, and it uses its characters. But then it also is very surprising in some of the way it tells story. And, you know, I thought this game was going to be over several different times and it, and it just keeps going. Like I, I actually haven't finished it yet because I hit a point mm-hmm. in the, in the story where I'm like, Oh, th- this is, there's going to be a lot more here. I, I need to take a break, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> And it also does a lot of really bespoke gameplay mechanics that kind of come out of nowhere and are like very refreshing and like, oh, here's something totally different than what I've been playing uh, already. And it and it almost just seems like here, we're just going to break up the, the pace of the story a little bit and give you these different little mechanics to chew on. And it's 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 awesome that uh, Dave the Diver may have maybe like the biggest surprise of the year for me because I... I heard a bunch of positivity about it. I had looked at screenshots and videos and I was like, ah, I don't know. And then when I finally like jumped in on it, I was like, oh yeah, this, this game is excellent. Absolutely excellent. So yeah, Dave, the diver definitely worth checking out. Um, nice. Next on the list. Sounds one charming. That, <laughs> yes. Uh, next one on the list that uh, I, I have been keeping an eye on for a long time and it absolutely delivered is sea of stars. Um, mm. Sea of Stars may be my favorite RPG of the year. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this game. It feels like a spiritual successor to something like a um, Chrono Trigger uh, in a lot of different mechanics, but then it also includes a lot of the stuff that I like from the Paper Mario series with like a little active time mini game uh, where you have yeah. to time your hits um, to get the most out of it. Battle. What's that? It stops you from sleeping in battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really have to pay attention during the fights, uh, both on attack and defense. It also does some really interesting uh, things that you can, you know, power up your characters within uh, within the combat to kind of lean into uh, certain characters' special abilities. It does it it does combat right, and it also introduces a lot of um a lot of very human characters and characters that feel complex in all the right ways um there are some characters that are kind of just like pretty shallow jrpg fair but like <laughs> the world they set up the mechanics within it and 
you know, the, the people that live within this world are, are excellent. You know, it shout out to my boy. Uh, was it Garl? I think it's Garl. Garl, who like Carl with a, with a G. Uh, <laughs> Garl from Sea of Stars is probably one of my favorite JRPG characters. He like, it, it feels like the type of person that I want to be. Of like, mm-hmm. you know, relentlessly positive, always there for your friends. Like, hey, we're going to make it through this. Like that kind of like Garl is the friend you want, you know, um, and they do some really awesome things with Garl throughout that story. Um, it's I, I cannot wait to see what they do with the next like uh, Sea of Stars, whether that's a sequel or something, you know, within the same universe but something different like this is technically within the same universe as the messenger which is another really uh dope game that came out a handful of years ago that's more like a ninja gaiden like game Hmm. um so like this developer is building a world where they can have these like fun new gameplay experiences in that are all like kind of harkening back to like classics that they grew up on and yeah sea of stars is a game that i I can't recommend more to people that like a JRPG. You know, it's excellent, excellent game. Sea of Stars just can't can't get over how much I enjoyed that game. And I the soundtrack is also very good. The music is very, very good in that game. Um, so, anyways, yeah, Sea of Stars. Uh, next up, uh, I I got a call out for the King too. I really oh, yeah. enjoyed that game quite a bit. Um, I was worried when I was playing the initial beta stuff. Um, it didn't feel great initially, but all of that has subsided now. I think they did all the the right things evolving their gameplay systems, both in combat and, you know, outside of combat, like almost like setting up your uh, adventure. You know, I've talked about that a lot on the show, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to rehash a bunch of that here, but I think For the King 2 is a you know, proper sequel in all the senses of the word. And I, I'm always looking to play more of it. So, uh, definitely one of the best games of the year, in my opinion. Uh, next on the list, uh, probably no surprise is street fighter six. Uh, yes, not not only was it, uh, I played a lot of it because of Evo this year, but, um, I was very disappointed with Street Fighter V. Um, that game just did not play well to me. I di- I just did not enjoy the mechanics of that game so much. And I think Street Fighter VI is one of the best in the series. It's it's not the best, but it's one of it's one of the best. I really really enjoy the game quite a bit. Which one's the best? The best. That's tough. I really like. Uh, if we're just talking about like mainline Street Fighter games, it's probably like street fighter alpha three or alpha two <laughs> i really like those those alpha games quite a bit yeah. um but if you're like forcing me like only street fighter one through six it's probably street fighter four i really like street fighter three as well but like i don't know street fighter four that game is damn near perfect but like street fighter six is is close like it's really close to those games like i i honestly yeah. feel like street fighter six when the roster is a lot bigger in like something comparable to a street fighter four, even a street fighter five, once we get to that point, I think it's going to be, 
you know, one of the best of all time. Um, it, the mechanics at play in the game makes for some really, um, it's, it's very different than past street fighter games where you kind of had to, to be stingy with your meter and like understanding how to, um, leverage your meter in the right scenario, uh, was like how you had to like win at a high level. And I feel like in street fighter six, moving to this drive gauge, they just give you so many more options from, you know, the first second of a round, you don't have to think about, Oh, I need to build up my super so I can do, you know, EX moves to extend this combo. You can start spending that stuff from the first button you press, which I think is a really smart um, evolution of that mechanic. I think the drive impact system, drive rush system, very, very fun mechanics, both at a face level, um, like for like new players and for advanced players to mix into their, um, their toolkit. And (coughs) pardon me. Um, I also think the new characters uh, in this game are, are, Awesome. I really, really like Marisa. I think Manat is um, an interesting character that I, I don't enjoy playing, but like I really like that they're in there. Same thing with JP. Very interesting zoning character that's got, you know, some mega swag. Uh, JP, <laughs> just swaggiest dude Love out the there. Dude, he's, he's so sick. He's so sick looking. Um, yeah, it's it's a good game. It's a really good street fighter. And, um, it's something I really, really enjoyed playing and trying to get good at, you know, like I still, I don't think I'm great at street fighter. Um, but like, I feel competent in that game, which, um, you know, I don't, I'm not always competent in fighting games. I enjoy playing them, but I feel, You're I feel competent. competent in fighting games. Yeah. Whatever, whatever. Um, uh yeah, Street Fighter Six is is super cool. I played a good amount of the the demo with with you guys, and um yeah, I I mean as somebody who's you know pretty still pretty novice at fighting games, I very much appreciate the like modern control style, um and that that drive gauge that just allows for so much like mix up and like combo extension in interesting ways like right from the start. Yeah, um it helps kind of take away a lot of that like a. Uh, with like fear or intimidation about like meters because uh, that's not like something that's frequently in games i play like i really know how to use meter or like budget for meter so having that that drive gauge super cool yeah and like street fighter 6 like a lot of fighting games now you know guilty gear has been doing this for a while now um in that they're investing a lot more in teaching tutorials like new f- Uh, functionality in the training room to like really teach you how to be good at these games or like how do you you know uh press a frame advantage you know how do you put somebody in a frame trap you know like thinking about those things that used to be very inaccessible to somebody who is like on the fringe of the fighting game uh community this Mm -hmm. game puts those systems right in front of you. It allows you to tinker in ways that you haven't been able to do in past street fighters or just really in past fighting games. Um, I really, really like that. And and to your point, calling out the different control schemes, you know, classic versus modern um, has been an interesting debate throughout the community. And it's been something that, you know, I've seen several players 
make it to the, you know, top of the competitive ladder using modern controls. You know, there are there are reasons to leverage modern controls over classic, which I think is excellent and a testament to the the balancing act that they've been able to do with the game. Um, yeah, it's I can't speak higher uh, or more highly of Street Fighter Six. You know, kudos to them, and I'm just very excited to see what's next. What are our next cast of characters? How are they going to um, continue to address balancing and like how the game's going to just evolve over the years? Like, I'm I'm just I'm I'm here for the ride, you know. Uh, I'm excited for it. Uh, okay, last runner up before we get into my game of the year here, uh, Ember Knights. Hey. So Ember Knights. I'm glad you're one- shouting it out. Yes, Ember Knights hit 1.0 this year, and it, Ember Knights is fucking great. Uh, we've talked about it a lot on the show. We've we've played it on stream a bit. Um, it's a really fun um, roguelike, you know, action RPG game that is best played with friends. You know, it's a game mm-hmm. that works really well in co-op, and um, it's been it's been one of my favorite co-op you know adventures. Uh, this year, and I even I bought one of my coworkers' cat. Uh, I gifted her this game just because um, it's just like a game I w- I want more people to play. You know, more people should know about this game. And yeah, Ember Knights definitely one of the best games of the year, uh, in my opinion. It's an excellent, excellent little video game uh, for you roguelite heads out there. Um, and <laughs> so the final game on this list is probably something I don't know if you will see this coming Jake but my game of the year 2023 is Armored Core 6 Fires of the Rubicon oh. Fires of Rubicon um no did, Tears of the Kingdom on your list no Tears of the Kingdom on this list okay I, all right i remember category the, yeah yeah you no, told I'm, me you were gonna cheat so this was i'm, a, ga- this I'm gaming cheating. the list <laughs> i'm gaming the list a little bit this year because okay. uh, I, di- I didn't want to have the same game be in two categories uh but um Fair. that is not to say to downplay armored core six fires of the rubicon this game no. fucking is awesome it is exactly what I wanted out of an armored core game. It's like literally exactly the thing I wanted. Um, the game looks better than anything else that came out this year. I think this game is the most graphically impressive thing I've seen all year. Um, it is astonishing. The graphical fidelity of all of these giant mech suits, the cityscapes you're playing in, the backgrounds that are rendering behind you, and all of this stuff is happening at breakneck speed. It is so performant uh, while you are playing it. You you lose yourself in the immersion of m- controlling the mech. You are never thinking about um, frame drops or anything like that. It is is highly highly performant, and it's 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 a technical marvel to me how how great the game can look how fast it plays and i never feel out of control you know like when i when mistakes happen it's because of me not because of like some faulty gameplay mechanic or controls Mm -hmm. that are uh too dense to get around like i feel like in the past armor core has really been uh knocked for having a control scheme that is like very difficult to parse and um 
master. And I feel like, you know, the guys at FromSoft have been able to really craft a control scheme that fits really well and allows you to have a lot of customization over your experience and allows you to either take full control over every system, every aiming system, um, you know, movement system, all that stuff, or you can leverage some things to kind of offload some of those things, um, you know, have more automatic aiming and things like that. So you can focus on other elements. Like all of that is so good. It, um, the amount of build variety is shocking. Um, I thought I would, would have found like a build very early on in my campaign and I would have just stuck with that the entire time. And that wasn't the case. Uh, you know, after every mission or arena battle, I was always tinkering. I was tinkering around with my build and very early on, I kind of came to the realization that like, Hey, I'm just going to make a ton of different suits. I'm going to make a ton of suits. That's usually not what I do in these type of games. I like find the exact thing I want to do. And I just kind of sit with one build and that's all I do. But I ended up making like maybe six different um, types of armor, you know, armor cores, um, all with different thematics. Uh, I came up with, you know, like I, when I play mech games, I'm always trying to like relive, you know, mobile suit Gundam like um, <laughs> vibes. Like my my head cannon is always like I'm a crack mech pilot and I'm going to go on these missions or do these arena fights. But it's all about me like climbing the ladder and being the best mobile suit pilot out there. And this game allowed me to really delve into that and build all sorts of different styles of mechs that I want to do that climb with that I want to like understand the best ways to to use them and um you know dominate my opponents um it 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 really really is shocking to me that this game made me want to build like big bulky mech suits because like that is never what I want to do in these games. Mm. I want to build small, sleek, fast, get in, get out, mostly uses like melee weapons. You're like that kind of a Gundam, you know, like, like I'm trying to build the, um, death scythe from, uh, Gundam wing. Like that's what I want to build in these, in these, uh, in these games. That's what I want to build and play. And, I found myself doing all sorts of different stuff, you know, like for some of the final boss battles, I built the big honking, you know, tank treads, big boy robots with like these massive guns and all of that. And I was having a great time playing that stuff too. Um, which, you know, testament to the gameplay, right? Um, I also think the mission structure for how, um, like how you play through the game, uh, where you have like, you know, some kind of arena fights, but usually some sort of um, open-ended combat arenas that you can solve problems in different ways. And there's different um, things to find within the different uh, missions. But it is mission-based. It's not an open-world thing or anything like that. You go on these very specific missions where you may make a choice or two, but really a lot of it is like go in, get to point A or point B, fight this thing 
do this next set piece and then, you know, kind of from there. But mm-hmm. the there's so many different types of missions. None of them felt very frustrating. It didn't feel like there was a lot of like, oh, here's an escort mission or here's, you know, this mission. It was like they felt sufficiently varied um, and interesting. The story itself is also like very compelling. I'm not going to get into all the details of that here, but it is really a fascinating story um, that, that makes you think. Uh, and it sets up reasons to do new, new game pluses and to make other choices in your story and play through different content to see how characters will, will change their interactions with you and how that will change the broader story. Um, all of that is, is so good. Um, I think there are small little like uh, gripes that I would have with the game on like some of the UI stuff and how you're picking missions. Sometimes it doesn't do a good job of communicating like um, this is a decision point mission versus Mm. um, you know, just a regular old mission um, which that stinks, but it's not, not the worst. Um, But man, I, I have not played a game that, filled me with adrenaline more like th- this, this game is high intensity and it, it keeps that going throughout. And God, it just, if you have a itch to be a mobile suit pilot or like you get, or that sounds fun to you, this is the game to play. Like it, there isn't a game that does it better. Um, it's so fucking rad. God, I think this game is so cool. And it, it could have it could have been bad. You know, like there's been plenty of Armor Core games that I got really um, I lost interest in or just didn't turn out great. And it is it is so nice to see that this game turned out excellent, you know. Um, and in typical FromSoft fashion, the boss battles are, you know, chef's kiss. They <laughs> are so well designed they're so challenging in some parts but unlike some of the bullshit i think happens in some dark souls games i feel like the bullshit that can happen in in armor core is like oh very um you can get past it you can like overcome and like you can overcome by both getting better as a pilot or saying, you know what, I'm going to go rebuild my mech and come into this fight with different weapons, different, you know, um, different uh, parts, you know, more mm-hmm. armor mm-hmm. or like bigger boosters, you know, whatever, whatever you need for a given situation. You can also attack it that way. But I only ran into one boss that I needed to like substantially change my build to fight it. And that was only because I was getting to the point of, Hey, I could sit here for two more hours and like really get good at this boss, or I could go at it as a giant tank and beat it right now, you know, like (laughs) that type of thing. But yeah, I mean, when I think back to some of the most fun moments I've had in gaming this year, two or three of them are armor core, you know, like really, really, awesome moments in that game that I just, oof. Yeah. excellent, excellent video game. 
the like is, wild amount of customizability is the thing that is most interesting to me about that. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. And I, I, I don't get into customization stuff all that often, you know, like I'm not the one to spend hours in a character creator or anything like that, but there were nights where I maybe played only a mission or two and spent most of the time designing my mech. And I'm not talking just like switching out points and like getting deep into the menus and like looking at you know, different stat adjustments depending on, you know, this this uh, assault rifle versus this assault rifle. But like I would sit there and go through paint combinations you can like paint (laughs) every individual piece add stickers and stuff to every individual piece and come up with like really aesthetically pleasing designs and i spent a ton of time doing that you know it oh so good game's so good definitely you know the one of the best games to come out in 2023 i can definitely stamp that boom Stamp. For sure. Kaboom. Kaboom. Um, what stamp sound like, right? I think that's what it is, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Armor Core 6, Fires of the Rubicon. So good. So, so, so good. Um, I think that transitions into uh, our next category of favorite game of the year. So mm-hmm. favorite game of the year, how it's different than our previous category, game of the year 2023, is... Um, the games that are on this list could have come out at any time. They could have came out last year or any year previous. Doesn't really matter. Um, but what's just the fa- our favorite games of the year that are not necessarily 2023 releases. I just want to get yeah. out ahead of this right now. The reason I did not say Tears of the Kingdom <laughs> in the previous category was because Tears of the Kingdom is my favorite game, some total of 2023 regardless of what came out this year or in the past um our episode on tears of the kingdom kind of gets into that a lot so i'm not going to rehash a ton of it here um but this might be my favorite zelda game um it improved on all of the things uh from the previous uh, breath of the wild in ways that um both i expected and was not expecting um it's one of the better uh, Zelda narratives that they've ever tried to do. Um, Unlike you, Jake, I actually thought the end of the game was really good. I thought that last push against Ganondorf, both like fighting his uh, physical form and his dragon form and all the elements that led up to that, you know, hour and a half ish set piece. That is the end of the game. Um, I loved all of that. I thought it was fantastic. You know, I did go in prepared for that fight, uh, as you had suggested, Mm -hmm. but like, I still thought it wasn't a cakewalk, you know, like I didn't fail at any point, but it was sufficiently challenging for me. And I thought was a good crescendo to a game that just was excellent throughout, Um, you know, all of the dungeons, you know, it's as a, as opposed to the oh, divine beasts, the, the divine beasts from the first game were like fine, but definitely lacking. And then this game comes through with, you know, five dungeons that are pretty fucking good. Like I could mm-hmm, say mm-hmm. three of them 
very confidently are excellent. And the others are just like a notch below that. Like the um, the uh, Goron minecart stuff was awesome. The Gerudo Desert stuff with the lightning bolts or uh, yeah, with all the lightning stuff. I thought that was great. Um, I really um, I thought like that last dungeon in the depths was like, OK, um, but like, yeah, I, I just I really thought, oh, and the 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 wind temple, the uh, Rito stuff like that dungeon itself wasn't my favorite. But like the lead up to it, the getting to that was so good. The climb was so good. And it was like there's like there are so many things that we just continue to gush about this game. Um, but I I thought it was it's the picture perfect Zelda game uh, in this new style that they're doing. And the fact that they brought so many elements of old Zelda games into it made it feel like an honest to God Zelda game. I I really Mm -hmm. do think Mm -hmm. that breath of the wild was like a different game with like Zelda, like face paint on Um, a lot of times. Like it didn't, it didn't always feel like a Zelda game to me, but this one did. This one took all of the elements sans the uh, master sans the, um, Triforce, <laughs> Triforce still kind of missing uh, from mm-hmm. from the series here, but everything else felt really, really good. And the, you know, the Zelda as a dragon, timey-wimey stuff I liked a lot. I liked the more doubling down on the Master Sword and all of that was great. Like, ugh, it's just beautiful. It's just an absolute beautiful game. So yes, just to get to get that out of the way, <laughs> very that is my very good favorite game of the year, regardless of anything else that came out this year. Um, I have like three other games I want to mention as I kind of um, uh, runners up of like favorite game of the year. Uh, two to just knock out real quick. Uh, Heroes of the Storm uh, entered this list for me <laughs> because I, I played it sparingly this year, but. Playing during the charity stream really reminded me of how fun HOTS can be when you're playing with a coordinated team. You know, yeah. pl- playing in a like a a 10-person lobby, drafting, really communicating with one another, and not just like playing sweaty, but like getting into strategy without the sweat um, was super duper fun. And I... I don't have a lot of high hopes for what happens to HOTS now that Microsoft owns Blizzard Activision. Like, I don't think they're going to instantly shut the game down. But New I also champion, don't think, Master Chief. Yeah, I I would love for them to re-kick development on the game, but I just don't think it's going to happen. But, you know, there there's this, like, tiny little spark within me that's like, oh, maybe maybe this could happen. Maybe, right. maybe we could get more HOTS in the future. And it's, you know... I, I new will champion blinks the cat. See, I'm here for that. I'm here for that. Um, I think that'd be great. But yeah, Hots, it just continues to be just such a an important game for me. It's an important game in my life, even it's if I'm not game. playing it. I don't. I, I continue to say it's an important game. Uh, the other game I want to mention here is Valorant. Actually, so. Um, Huge bias because I work on the game, obviously, but (laughs) this is a huge game or a huge year for our game. We had some awesome content come out this year, and 
I got to go to Champions this year, which is like our Super Bowl of Valorant, and it was absolutely amazing to watch. You know, to see live crowd experience of an esports event, seeing um, the Cinderella story of evil geniuses coming through and winning that championship after, you know, not even qualifying on their own terms. They needed somebody to lose for them to get in, and then they they come around and have this real bad boy attitude throughout the entire series. And they're able to beat, you know, all the best teams in in the world and come out on top in such an epic fashion. It it was just such a joy to watch. Uh, And I, I felt like I got better at the game this year. Um, I'm still pretty trash, but you know, I can, I can keep up with, uh, with some folks now, which always makes me feel good. So Valorant also hits this list. Um, and the last game I want to mention here um, is something that's almost another little like technicality, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Warriors of the Nile 2. So, oh, yeah. Technically, this game came out in 2022 on PC. It did come to Switch this year, and that's where I played the most of it. Um, but technically, it came out last year, so I wanted to my my little I'll sneaky allow way, allow it, little sneaky way of getting it onto this list here. But um, I really do love this game. Uh, Warriors of the Nile Two is very similar to um, Lost in Fontaland, which I called out earlier in this episode in that it is a rogue-based, a rogue-like grid-based tactics game, but it trades in the deck builder component for more of a, like, uh, unit-based party composition where you have three units that behave in different ways as opposed to picking one class and they have certain cards available to them. Um, It's really, really neat. The game... Does it looks very unassuming, kind of like Lost in Fontaland, if I'm being honest. Honest, um, it it's a game that if you like grid based tactics and roguelike mechanics, it, you can't miss it. You cannot miss the game. Um, the other things that I think the game does um, incredibly well, and honestly better than most games in roguelikes in general, is that it gives you a nice steady stream of unlocks. You know, within the first, I don't know hour or two of the game i was already unlocking new uh character types which um i'm really driven by that you know Mm -hmm. like unlocking characters unlocking brand new gameplay mechanics is what i'm really striving for in a game that has like meta progression like this and i think this game does it really really well just like i um gave kudos to rogue legacy 2 last year for doing you know progression really well on their meta system level um, in a roguelike, yeah, I have to give the same props to Warriors of the Nile too. And yeah, I just really think that it does a great job of um, blending these genres together in a very satisfying way that is both strategically dense, but also like easy enough that you can kind of jump in and jump out and not having to worry about like micromanaging every moment of the game. You know, I feel like in games like slay the spire, they're so difficult that you have to like pay too much attention to it. You have to like, Mm. it's, it's like that game's almost too much for me 
to to be enjoyable. It's like too difficult. Whereas like games like Wars of the Nile 2, Lost in Fantaland, they're challenging, but like you can save a run with like a subpar build through like decent strategy and like um pivots that you make throughout where I feel like yeah. in games like Slay the Spire, it's like you could be fucked from turn one. And it's like, well, gotta start over. You know, like I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's a um, misconception on my part, but um, it's. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not the greatest at Slay the Spire, but yeah, I still lose the majority of of my runs. Yeah, it's that that game is. It's a little too tough for me, but. That's not to say Wars of the Nile 2 is not challenging. I probably only have like two or three clears in the game total. Um, but God, it's it's super fun. I lost a lot of time to that game this year. Um, and it's something that uh, folks should check out if they're into you know grid-based tactics or roguelites. So, so yeah, that's me. That's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. What about um, you, dude? So my runner-up this year, uh, the, my runner-up and winner were pretty pretty close. I had to uh, listen to how I talked about the first game to not succumb to recency bias. Uh, so the runner-up, one I picked up fairly recently, is Sifu. So this ah. is a, uh, I guess, beat-em-up, sort of in the combat style of like Sekiro, where you have a, like a poise bar and like a health bar. And you can, you know, break either one to take down an enemy um but yeah but in like a beat em up type of format um and the kind of main mechanic of this game is every time you get downed or killed or whatever um you you age a little bit and like every 10 years you age you do more damage but have less health and like if you die a lot in quick succession like you age faster and faster um so and then like once you get to a certain point like game over you have to restart the level um so it very much like incentivizes you to of course play well and to kind of better your score on previous missions so like what i did was like um going into uh the fourth mission especially like i had just like lost too many lives or aged too much i guess so I like went back and reran one of the levels where like I just died way too many times, you know, had a lower lower count, and then like, all right, cool, like I'm able to go into the next level more more young and virile. Um and it's I mean it's it's you know tricky and intimidating in that way, but like super rewarding, super deep. Like there's a uh, you know certain command and pits for moves so it doesn't get stale in the same way that like most beat em ups do i feel like that's the achilles heel of beat em ups is just the monotonous combat uh but sifu definitely has a lot of a lot of depth and a lot of very interesting um level design especially the uh the third level the uh the museum does a lot with like perspective and color and atmosphere uh that's just super neat and i liked it a bunch and if I had played it more, maybe it would have won. But the actual game of the year, which was a honorable mention last year, because I hadn't played it enough yet, is God of War Ragnarok. Ah! So yeah, I finished up my, my playthrough of that game this year, probably like in February or so. Um, and yeah, the game is very, very fun. Uh, 
I love the um the development of Kratos and Atreus, their their dynamic. Like that was kind of my biggest complaint of the the first one is like the story telling and the characterization is it it I don't know. It's just like it, it's not very consistent. Like there's like a bit where like Atreus like almost has like amnesia about a time that he was a dick and it's just like wait hold on what's going on here and it's like very i don't know very hit or miss but uh ragnarok characterization is uh, fantastic throughout i love odin how he's characterized and uh heimdall as well like it's super uh interesting the characters they put in and what kind of who they've made them as um it's fun to play as atreus and those those uh missions where you you pilot him and uh yeah it's cool cool big open world game that uh improved upon everything that was good of the god of war 2018 and built it into something i think is phenomenal and it's my favorite game that i played in 2023 that did not come out in 2023 hell yeah hell yeah um and then there was one the best podcast game yeah, favorite podcast episode. This is a tough one. Um, honestly, honestly, I think this year is full of great episodes uh, <laughs> in general. We didn't put out as many. Um, mm-hmm. We only put out what ten this year, I think. Uh, yeah, a so, little, a little lighter. We had some, lighter. yeah, solid games. We had some real stinkers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, we uh, had some real unstinkers. Yeah. What? What? Why don't you go first, Jake? What? Uh, what was your favorite? So I got my runner-up this year, um, which was tricky. I was torn between Perfect Dark and uh, what I ended up picking, Amnesia: The Dark Descent. Mm. So I, um, you know, when playing Amnesia and like when talking about it, I think I was a little, I, I you know, kind of hedged a lot of the things I said and was. Uh, you know, a little critical on things, but like thinking about it, look, looking back at it and like perfect dark, which was another one of my favorite games. Um, there's a lot of just like old kind of annoying things about that. Like the weird level design and, um, doesn't signpost where objectives are. So you spend a lot of time sort of running around, um, in a way that's like frustrating, but I think amnesia in a way, when you do that, it's, uh, you know, terrifying and thrilling. So, you know, in the end, ended up picking amnesia uh but my favorite podcast game easy peasy if this wasn't a podcast game it probably would have been on my top of the uh most favorite played this year is sekiro shadow die twice yep um this game's so good it's just i don't it's it's just like peak from soft um i love the way the story develops and like the from way um and like this character that you inhabit and the poise parry system with the combat, the most amazing bosses. Um, Sekiro is is nearly perfect. The game is so good. Yep. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, Sekiro's uh, my runner-up, uh, or one okay. of my runners-up. Because okay. uh, I, I really, really enjoyed that game this year, uh, much more than I was expecting to. And it was a really fun episode to record. Um, also on my runners-up are Child of Light, uh, which I also thought was a, a nice uh, nice light game that we played uh, right at the beginning of last year. Um, yeah. And that then, was another like top 
fifty percent games. Like that one, Child of Light was pretty solid. Yeah, solid, solid one. Um, my last runner up is Monster Rancher Two because I love Monster Rancher <laughs> and wild madness. Go back and listen to that episode, please. Because <laughs> one, it's a great episode, and two, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 great. Like Monster Rancher. I know I'm a crazy person uh, for for loving it as much as I do, but it really does like scratch a very specific itch in my mind. It is maybe what you know planted some of the seeds of what you know I love about video games. You know, it's a very um, important game to me. And again, I will die on the hill of Monster Rancher is about leadership at its core. It's a game <laughs> about leadership than anything else. But anyways. Um, my favorite game or my favorite podcast episode of the year is actually we're gonna give it to the bouncer. Um, the you know, bouncer. Shout out to Brad. Get uh, out of as here. The the guest on that one. That game sucked. <laughs> but great guest, great guest, that, great episode. Great, great episode, great guest. Not a great game. That was not my favorite game to play this year. But I had such a fun time dunking on that game and. <laughs> Like going back and playing it. Cause again, like this show is about examining nostalgia. And I, if you go back and listen to that episode, like I, I played the bouncer quite a bit. Like if the bouncer, I still remember when I first got that game and played it for my PlayStation too. And you know, the, the vitriol I had towards it. Um, and I'm glad that all of that still remains. And I know it's not a very good game, but I had such a fun time playing it playing it laughing at it and dunking on it with you and brad so um the bouncer is my favorite podcast episode yes yes because it's not just a favorite game that we played for the podcast i think the creative endeavor of making the episode has like it's part of the formula here at least it is for me it's part of the calculus because like if i just Mm -hmm. picked you know the best game it's definitely sekiro or Tears of the Kingdom, right? It would be one of those two. But I think I had the most fun with those four episodes this year. Um, But shout out to our guests that we had this year. Not just Brad from the uh, Bouncer episode, but Mason on Perfect Dark. Nate, who joined us for the Zelda episode. And Michael for the um, Star Wars Road Squadron episode. Shout out to y'all for being a part of our show this year. Shout out to our guests, shout out to our fans, everybody who donated for the charity stream this year. Yes, yes. Getting us over $10,000 for NAMI. Very successful charity stream uh, for the folks at home uh, for our fourth year of the charity stream, the 24-hour charity stream with everything going to NAMI. We uh, have raised total over this four years now $12,626. And fifty one cents, um, but yeah, I, I, it's it's still shocking to me um, the generosity of our fans um, and family and friends that all um, donate to this thing. It's it's really uh, overwhelming <laughs> when I when I look at this number. It's like holy shit, that's yeah, that's huge. some life changing money. That's that's some big big money for this tiny little corner of the internet that we've carved out for ourselves, Jake. Like. We should be one really proud of ourselves for doing this and even more proud of everybody who has contributed to the success. You know, it's, it's really fucking cool. It's really, really cool. Um, 
yeah and yeah uh, it's... thanks to everybody for contributing to the charity stream um and to the you know podcast itself it's good to have this uh small and mighty fan base uh that's gotten us to uh which will be a hundred total episodes yeah uh the next episode our first episode uh our first like you know true main, episode yeah true <laughs> episode of 2024 will be our hundredth episode which like just to you know i'm not gonna get into a big diatribe on this now because we'll probably have to get into this in the next episode but like you know hitting a hundred episodes is a really big milestone for me creatively i've never stuck with any project this long before um and really it's a testament to you jake being a really good co-host and keeping me motivated but it's even more of a testament to the people that watch listen interact with us and keep us going here um you know i I wouldn't be able to keep doing this if I wasn't so motivated and engaged by all y'all who who listen to us, you know, semi-intelligently talk about video games <laughs> um, a couple times a year. So um, I'm just you know. like you haven't broken up with me yet, Tony. <laughs> of course not, Jake. No, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine doing this show with anybody else, dude. No way. Right back at you. Um, so yes, I think. Uh, that will wrap up our international. Hey, I like that game awards for the year 2023. Uh, Jake, what are we playing next? What's the first episode uh, episode or game episode that we're going to be doing of the new year? First episode. So I want to start. I mean, hundredth episode. I want to do something that's going to be meaty. Something that's been on my need to playlist for a very long time. And something I think will kind of uh, harken back to a few of the other games we played on the podcast. We're going to play Super Metroid. Oh, Super Metroid, huh? Yes. This, I, this is going to be our third Metroid game? Fourth Metroid I game? believe our third Metroid game. And like Metroid Fusion is the one that, you know, that really got me into Metroid. The one I've played the most of. The one I enjoy the most. And I know that like... That's the one that's most like Super Metroid, which is the uh, indomitable classic of the franchise. So uh, I haven't played it ever before. I've had it on my two playlist for a very long time, basically like since Metroid Fusion. Um, so to force me to play it and to force our listeners to listen to us talk about it, it's going to be our hundredth hundredth total episode, and we. Uh, we're planning on doing another thing for like our hundredth total like game because like this is like all just like episodes in total like the episodes like we're like Tony was in New York and we recorded something live are included but like when yeah. we do our hundredth game that's also going to be an event but for a hundred total I want to have something that I assume will be pretty dang good and that we'll be able to uh, bring a lot of our our Metroid experience into talking about. And we can get into the fundamental conversation of kill the animals versus save the animals. Fantastic. Glad we'll be able to get into that. The uh, Save the frames, kill the animals. No way. <laughs> save the animals. Um, that's, a good, that's a good pick, Jake. I, I know I've played Super Metroid, but I don't know if I've ever finished it. And yeah, you, I, we have played a lot of Metroid. Uh, 
on this show. I'm I, I think after this episode, I'm just gonna say we can't play any more Metroid for like two years. Like we're just no done. But no more Metroid for several years. We need to Okay, we've had Fusion and Zero Mission, I think are the yeah. ones we've we've had. Or maybe I just need to like play more put more Mega Man games on this list. Maybe that's what I just need to do. Balance hey, I mean, out. <laughs> it's been a bit. September September of twenty two was the last Mega Man we had. It's true. I think you're allowed. Listen, it's also like it takes all my restraints to not like do a Star Wars game like every other episode. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, to be real, I thought you were gonna use this as the opportunity to bring back um, a Bethesda game uh, that will not be named. Oh, that's uh, no, all right. I, I was I, I was thought... contemplating maybe an earlier Fallout game, um, ah. doing like one or two, but I think. This one, I'm also more in the mood to play uh, a Metroid game right now than a than a toothy uh, RPG. But um, yeah. also, Bethesda's in my my shit list after Starfield. Like I don't, <laughs> <laughs> they're dead to me. <laughs> they're in the doghouse. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, but we were thinking about positive things and positive games. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, I listened uh, to last year. That was my most anticipated game for twenty three, and I cringed. I was like, "Oh wait, oh, why did I do that?" Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> well, we, who would have known? Who would have known? Um, but anywho, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we thoroughly enjoy doing these episodes every year. Thanks for listening. You know, drop a uh, like a like and subscribe, or a rating and review, whatever it is. Propagate the pod. Propagate Any the pod. Thoughts or suggestions for the hundredth game episode? Send them to us at hey I like that game at gmail.com. Uh, and, if uh, you want to be yeah. our social media manager, uh, email us at hey I like that game at gmail.com <laughs> and we'll give you the job. <laughs> um. 10% of our Patreon subscribers. <laughs> 60 cents a month. <laughs> <laughs> um all right well as always jake uh live life passionately love each other unconditionally and play uh video games thanks everybody happy new year hope y'all have a great 2024 start this this year off right with some video games and all video games forgot and video games keep going keep going (laughs) and it's a game we like to play on hey i like that game hey i like that game my friend (laughs) (laughs) you land the plane you did it (laughs) (laughs) all right i'm gonna Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, If you like the show, please give us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. You know, every little bit helps. Hashtag propagate the pod.